When a person comes to saving faith in Jesus Christ, they become a whole new creation. They are born again, and they are born into a whole new relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It's a relationship infused with obedience. Welcome everyone, I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is the Bread of Life, a radio ministry sponsored by Church Partnership Evangelism and its local missions fellowship, the Bread of Life Church in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about our work around the world or our fellowship in Boise, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Romans 6.16 reads, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? In salvation, we present our lives to a new form of obedience that produces in us righteousness. It's not the obedience of following laws. It is loving interaction with the God who saved us. It is the obedience that follows love. You might actually expect that when Paul finishes saying that, he's going to say the next relationship is a relationship with Jesus that leads to life or leads to righteousness. Or it's a relationship to righteousness that leads to life, but he doesn't say that. He says it's a relationship to obedience. Do you see that there? It's a relationship to sin that leads to death, and then he says it's a relationship to obedience that leads to righteousness. It is as if he says, now you, instead of obeying sin, you obey obedience, and it leads to righteousness. And what Paul is doing is he's emphasizing the nature of this new relationship. It's a new relationship that is driving us into a new direction of obedience in our lives. It is drawing us into a new form of obedience that is producing in us an ongoing, burgeoning, expressing, developing righteousness. Now we know, because he's already told us we're not under the law, and not under that pursuit of righteousness who fall in the law, that what he's saying is we're not now under obedience that leads to obeying all the laws so that we can say that we're righteous. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is we've now discovered an obedience, or we've come into a relationship of obedience in which the righteousness that has become ours begins to flourish and expand and express itself through our lives. It's like it takes over our lives. It's a life that comes from Jesus Christ. It's a life that comes from coming into a relationship with the righteous Savior. And then He fills us and He meets us with Himself and He draws us by His own life and His own power and our communion with Him into obedience with Him and to Him and to do what is right before God. But here's the thing I want you to see here in verse 16. The first thing I want you to see about your conversion to Christ is this. It was a change or a turn from what you were going to obey. Conversion, coming to Christ, believing in Him, was a change and a turn from what you were going to obey. And here's what lies at the heart of your relationship with sin, with the world, with Satan, with your own flesh, when you're consigned to it and living in it, before you come to Jesus Christ, before you give your life to Him, the person who's just living in the world, unbelieving in Jesus Christ, just going about thinking they're living an independent life, actually, they have a relationship with sin. They have a relationship with the world around them. They have a relationship with the God of this age. And the relationship is basically this. It's a relationship of obedience. It's a relationship of obedience. And here's what lies in the relationship you form when you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. Here's what lies behind that faith in Him. You turn to obey Him and not to obey sin and Satan and the God of this age any longer. And those are your options. Your life 
whether you know it or not, is not one of independence. You don't simply make your own choices and do your own thing. You might live under that illusion before you come to Jesus Christ, that you were just your own man, your own self, determining your own direction, your own way, but you weren't. You were under the bondage, and you were under the control, and you were under the direction, and you were yielding yourself in obedience to the God of this age. And he'll, by the way, he'll let you do it in any way that you like, as long as he's getting what he wants from you. Your obedience, your concession. And so, when you come to Christ and you believe in him, you're actually coming to transition what it is you're going to obey. Because you're going to obey something. I mentioned the other day, it's the old song that um, was sung by the folk singer, I just forgot his name. Bob Dylan, yeah, there it is. You may serve the devil or you may serve the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody. That was the old song that he sang. That's the idea. In Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, the Lord Jesus makes it very clear that this is the choice that's before you. This is the issue of faith. This is the issue. It's whether you're going to serve him or whether you're going to serve the God of this age. There he says it in a different way. He says you're either hot or cold. Speaking to the church in Laodicea, I have something against you because you're lukewarm. He says, you're either hot or cold, and if, if you're not, so I'll spew you out of my mouth. You're either for me, Jesus says in another place, he actually says it in Matthew chapter 12, verse 30. He actually says, you're either for me or against you. He actually says, whoever is not for me is against me. By default, you're against me. If you're not living in complete surrender to me and obedience to me, and so that's what's before us. You either turn to obey him and not obey sin any longer, or you continue thinking you're independent, but you're serving the other master. You're serving sin. You're serving Satan. You're serving the God of this world. You're not serving the God of grace and the God of salvation. You're going to live in obedience to one or the other. That's the idea here. Paul actually uses the illustration or analogy of a slave here. And John Stott points out, in that time period, there were these individuals who were slaves by conquest. They involuntarily became slaves. But there are other individuals, because of their impoverishment or the difficulty of their lives and looking for some form of security, would enslave themselves in order to make it on in the world. But these individuals didn't know. And at some point in time, it gave them some comfort. It gave them some courage. It helped them to carry on with their lives. But it never ended. Once they enslaved themselves, they were forever the slave of the individual that they enslaved themselves to. They were in bondage the rest of their lives. They would work until that work that was given for them by their masters drew out their last breath, their last drop of sweat, their last drop of blood. Then that's your relationship to sin and self. You might think that it has brought you out from the cold and enriched your life with some pleasure, but it's only going to last for a short while. And eventually you're going to discover that you've sold yourself into slavery and your master is not going to let you go until he's done with you. And he's let, going to let you go in death. That's the point here. But this too is the relationship of conversion. When you turn to Christ, he buys you and he redeems you from that master sin and Satan and he claims you for his own. And your relationship with Jesus is also a relationship of obedience but his rule is one of grace and life and purpose, and he doesn't extract his pay from you. Instead, he just keeps giving into your life and keeps putting into your life, and he fills you and floods you with the impulses and activities of a changed and glad obedience to his goodness and his graciousness and his kindness and his love. This faith that saved us when we gave ourselves to Christ was a faith that then brought us into obedience to him. That's it. It brought us into obedience to Him. Choosing 
to sin is a surrender into obedience and choosing salvation. Understand this. Choosing salvation through Jesus Christ is the same thing. The matter of your conversion is only a matter regarding who or what you're going to obey. Now here's the next thing. Let's look at verse 17. Paul then says, But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. Now when he says that form of doctrine to which you were delivered, this gospel message that he's been preaching, you're in judgment and you're in sin. That, that your morality doesn't make you right before God. Your religion doesn't make you right before God. That you can't find a right standing before God in the following of laws. Instead, you're a sinner. And your sin produces judgment and brings judgment on your life. But God has sent His Son to die for you in your place. And God loves you and redeem you if you put your faith in Him and you would surrender to Him. And that's the gospel. That's the doctrine that was preached to them. And he says, you obeyed from the heart this word. You received it. Paul, in remembering that and thinking that, says, just thank God. Thank God that's true. He can't hold it back. You might know this experience. You're praying for someone. You're longing for them to come into salvation and faith in Jesus Christ. And you see that they're making wrong choices and decisions and they're going in the wrong direction. And then the word comes to you. Or maybe you're with them in the moment in which their life turns and they change and they surrender to Him and they believe in Him. What a song of praise raises up from your own heart. What a doxology raises up from your own heart. It's happened, it's happened to me many, many times. What great praise from the heart, God has brought about a change in them. God has stirred their hearts to turn to them and they put their faith in them. And they in that moment have entered into this life in which they've unleashed themselves from their bondage to sin and they've entered into this fellowship and relationship with God in which now they're delivered and they're following Him. Here's the thing. The saving faith that we're speaking about is a deep heart turn into obedience. Do you see that? Yet you obeyed from the heart. This issue of faith, what is it? It's just a turn of obedience to what God has revealed, this wonderful gospel message. It's an act of obedience that believes in Jesus Christ for salvation and a believing in Him that surrenders to His ongoing command. In other words, a measure of true faith in Christ as Savior is that it's an act of obedience that issues in a life of obedience. It just changes the trajectory of your life. You'll remember that at the very beginning of the book of Romans, Paul says that God has set him apart as an apostle, as a missionary, to speak out the gospel to the nations and call them to the obedience of faith. That's what he says. His message was a message calling the nations to the obedience of faith. When the Lord Jesus declares to those and comes before men and calls them to believe upon Him, to believe upon Him with such a commitment that their belief would be like eating him and partaking of him, totally taking in his life. That's what he's calling them to do. Totally putting all their faith in them. The Lord Jesus says that this is the work that God gave man to do, to believe in him. Actually, John chapter 6, verses 27 through 29. Let me read them to you. Jesus says, Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Lord Jesus has just announced as himself, which the Son of Man will give you. Because God the Father has set a seal on him. And then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? What's the labor? What's the thing we have to do to prove ourselves righteous? And then Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Now, the Lord Jesus declares this and calls him to this radical faith. These are the same individuals who have been with him when he's multiplied the loaves and fishes and fed them. 
And they've seen this tremendous miracle. And then the Lord Jesus makes this after he walks out onto the stormy seas out of the waters and goes to his disciples to the boat walking on the water and gets in the boat with them and takes them across the sea to Capernaum. And, and now the Lord Jesus is saying, you've got to believe in me. And, and in a sense, the Lord Jesus is saying to them, I have given you enough warrant to believe what I'm telling you and commanding you. And in fact, I've proven myself to such an extent that not to believe in me is an act of resistance and disobedience to the truth. It's an act of ongoing obedience to sin if you don't believe in me because I put the evidence before you. The work is to believe what I've put before you and revealed to you. Now, when the Bible calls us to believe in the gospel, I assume then what God is teaching us is that the God has worked in such a way by His Spirit so powerfully and so significantly that the gospel has a convincing warrant to it. When a person comes under its message and it's clarified and spoke to them, that it jives with the Holy Spirit has been saying in their lives. Remember, the Bible says in John chapter 16, Jesus said that the Spirit works in the lives of all people, convicting them of sin and righteousness and judgment. He convicts them that they're sinners. He convicts them that they need to be righteous, but that they're not righteous. They can't produce the righteousness that satisfies God. And as a result, he convicts them of judgment. Not only that, the Lord Jesus at that time said that the, through the witness of the church, the Holy Spirit comes upon the church to bear out this conviction through the message and life of Jesus Christ. So that as we bring the message and story of Jesus Christ to people, it intensifies this internal conviction in their life. In other words, the Spirit is convicting and convincing people of the truth of the gospel. He's laying it upon them with force. And you know what? I believe it. I believe that what God is saying is true. Thanks for joining us today at the Bread of Life. We'd love to hear from you. Go to breadoflifeboise.org and follow the links to send us a message of encouragement or a prayer request. Until the next time, may the Lord bless you.